morning. How are you guys? Um, man, it feels, <laughs> oh, come on, no. It, thank you, guys. Um, it feels so good to, to uh, be back inside this room. Outside, I could do without it, to be quite honest, but in here. It just feels uh, really good. Um, if you would, just for a minute, keep uh, texting in the answers to that question. What are, what are some of the things that might cause you to stop following Jesus? Or if right now you're going, well, I, I don't know if I've ever stepped into a relationship with Jesus, then maybe what are some of the things that, that uh, are keeping you from that? Text in uh, those answers to, to my phone um, right here. Actually, I just stole this phone from somebody else, and they're going to have tons. Um, 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 and then my family, do we, do we have the picture? They're going to be here. We're actually here all week. So um, Anna and the boys and stuff, they'll be here. Um, yeah. Braddock is three and a half now. Brody just turned two last week. Um, and um, I only own one shirt, and it's the one you saw in the picture and the one I'm wearing right now, apparently. So um, economy is hitting us all. And uh, it's, it's kind of a bummer. But uh, those two little guys are phenomenal. And uh, so you get to see them running around. So just stay for the, all the services today, and you'll see them at some point. Um, but, uh, oh, that's it. You guys, I love you, and I am so glad to be here with you today. I would very much like to pray for us. And then, uh, man, as I was just thinking... I was just thinking about, Lord, what is it that it, we've got a day to, to spend together here? What is it that maybe we just need to wrap ourselves around? And what are some of the things that, that you would want to say to us? And we, we've got this, this opportunity here. We've got an opportunity to shift gears right now and just open up our hearts and open up our minds to the encouragement and the truth that Jesus has for us today through, through his word. And so um, as as we dive in, I've got nothing good to say, but the Lord does. So would you, would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for every single person in this room. I thank you that you have way more in mind for us than even we do. I thank you for family that is just in a different state here, Lord. I love that I can come home and it's just like coming home. Because the unique bond that you give us in relationship with you just supersedes miles and time. But God, I just ask that you would speak to us this morning and that we'd hear loud and clear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. That had to be what was going through his mind. I mean, that was probably one of the strongest things going through his mind at the time. I mean, John had found himself in a little bit of trouble, but now all he could think about was, don't give up. Because he had been there the day that it happened. John had been in the waters of the Jordan. And he had been baptizing people after people after people over and over and over again. 
And the crowd just gathered to watch what was going on. There were some people that gathered that day that wanted to get in the water with him and step into those waters and make a commitment to follow God and turn away from what they had been doing. And the outward symbol of that was to be baptized in the waters of the Jordan by, by, by a guy named John. And so John was getting tired after 40 or 50 people just time dunking and back up, dunking and back up. He had been there that day and he had to pause for just a moment from all the baptisms to look over and address some of the Pharisees and Sadducees that had come out and they had a hard heart and they weren't quite sure what they were seeing before them. He stopped to address them, and then he went back to baptizing. He put his hand on the shoulder of a young man that was in the water with him, dunked him down under the water, and then came back up. Some of the water splashed on John's face as he came back up out of the water. He wipes his brow to get rid of the water and looks over at the crowd. How many left? How many more do I have to do? And that's when he saw him. That's when he saw the one that he had been preparing the way for. That's when he looked over and he saw Jesus. Jesus wades into the waters of the Jordan and approaches John, and at first John is like, I, I'm not fit to do this. I'm not fit to baptize the one. I'm not fit to baptize Jesus Christ himself. And a humble hand of Jesus goes up on the shoulder of John. And he could feel the hand of God on his shoulder. And then he removes his hand. And now it's turned for John to place his hands on the Son of God and puts Jesus down under the water and then back up. And now the water that had just covered Jesus, some of that spl splashed over onto John himself. And then it happened. Then the heavens opened. And the Spirit of God begins to descend like a dove, only it's brighter than anybody could have ever imagined. And then the voice of the God the Father begins to speak, this is my Son with whom I am well pleased. And chills just shot through John's body. Because this hadn't happened with the other guys. This hadn't happened with the other people that had been baptizing. The heavens hadn't opened. The spirit hadn't descended that way. The voice of God certainly hadn't shown up in audible form. But then again, the others that John had baptized, they weren't the son of God. And so, because of what John saw that day, he knew that Jesus was who he said he was. He knew that Jesus was God that he was the one that was gonna save everyone. But now all he's got going through his mind is don't give up, don't give up, don't give up. It seems that John had got himself into a little trouble. John had spoken up truth See, it seems there was a guy named Herod that was ruler over John's area. And Herod was cheating on his wife. And not just cheating on his wife, but he was cheating on his wife with a woman named Herodias that happened to be married to Herod's brother. 
Herod's cheating on his wife with his brother's wife. That's real nice. And John speaks up about it. He speaks out about it and says, this is not good. This is not what should be happening. He speaks truth. And it lands him in jail, awaiting beheading. It's pretty rough, but sometimes that's what happens when you speak up. And so there in prison, awaiting beheading, John's thinking, just don't give up. Don't, don't give up. I think he's starting to wonder, did I miss something maybe? Is there some part of Jesus that I missed? I, I remember hearing the voice. I remember seeing the Spirit of God come down, but I'm stuck in jail, awaiting beheading. And I mean, I, I'm pretty tied into Jesus. I think me and him, we were like this. If Jesus isn't going to come through for me in this moment, then who would he come through for, if not John the Baptist? But he finds himself in prison and days of just waiting, days with no answer, days with no help. And he's wondering, did I, did I miss something? Did I, did I miss something about God? Did I miss something with this Jesus? Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever go through something in your life where you're just going, man, I, I feel like I missed something. I'm not quite sure what it was, but I just kind of feel like somewhere along the line I missed what the Christian life was supposed to be about. I've missed something about God because I know he's real, but it just seems like he's kind of disappeared right now. Well, what are some of those things that would cause you to doubt? What are some of those things that would cause you to fall away from this Jesus or not, not follow him? There's some of the things that, that you, you texted in right here. Sometimes insecurity or being caught deep in a web of sin. You get caught super deep and you get insecure about yourself and you just feel like, wow, I, I, I think that's time for me to just to part ways because probably God's parted ways from me. Somebody said cussing. Just that language that we would use, that would maybe cause you to pull away. Somebody said, I feel like I have to be too perfect and kind of fake, and that's making me start to turn away. You ever feel like that? You ever feel like you have to come into church and you have to put on the church face? The church face that just, how you doing? I'm good, brother. I'm doing good, sister. Everything's fantastic. And yet inside, you're just going, I'm anything but doing good. Sometimes I feel like my Christian life, sometimes I feel like church it's like watching old people play baseball. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like everybody's like in the right positions, but stuff's moving kind of slow and nobody's scored in a really long time. And you're like, is this really what it was supposed to be? I think I'm missing something. Just a couple of months ago, we were out of town and doing this wedding somewhere else, and I had the boys for a little while because Anna was in the wedding, and we went to this park, and I'm just playing with my boys, and I look over, there's a big baseball field, and I'm going, well, cool, let's go watch the, the people play baseball. But as I approach it, I'm going, why does it smell like Noxzema? 
What is this? And I'm looking, I'm going, they're in the baseball uniforms, but they look like they're moving really slow. Some guy took a swing, and the ball just kind of dribbled out, and then somebody actually ran up with a walker, and a guy was going from home to first in this walker. They weren't wearing cups. It was like Depends instead. I was like, what is going on? This is not the way that baseball should be. What is this, geriatrics in the outfield? Is this field of creams? I don't know what it was. It was the weirdest thing. They, they had like cheerleaders, but they were all like all on hover rounds and just kind of it was like a pale comparison of what baseball should really be. And unfortunately, I think, I think sometimes our Christian life becomes the same way. I think at some point in our lives, we think, well, we just got to fake it. There's no real power to this. There's no real strength to this God. I bought into him at some point, but then either your poor choices or rough circumstances or whatever it is that's going on in your life that causes you to pull away from Jesus or make you think that he's just not interested or not into you or not on board with you anymore, and suddenly just the chasm gets broader and broader and broader. And the original thing that Jesus called you to and called you from is just this pale comparison to what he actually has for you. And if you could hear anything else today, would you just hear the God of the universe saying, please, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Because John the Baptist had baptized the Son of God. He knew that Jesus was who he said he was. But now he finds himself in jail. And after days of not hearing anything from his friend, from his God, I think John started to wonder, did I miss something? Is this what it's supposed to be? I thought if I stepped on board with Jesus, everything was going to be okay in my life. And you and I both know that that's not really the case, right? I mean, how many of you stepped into a relationship with Jesus and then every day since then has been without any problems? <laughs> no. We got financial problems. We got marriage problems. We got friendship problems. We got problems with our children. We got problems in our churches. We got problems at work. Some of you just can't program your DVR to record the right show. I mean, you got real issues. This is killing you. Why is it that some people got everything going on and you step into a relationship with the God of the universe, the Savior of the world, and life's tough for you? What's up with that? Open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 7 if you brought them this morning. Luke chapter 7. If you're not real familiar, it's about three quarters of the way through your Bible. You'll find this book of Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John, chapter 7. John finds himself in prison awaiting beheading. What is to come for John, what's John's fate is he is going to have his head cut off. And he finds himself in prison going, 
this is not good. And I thought me and Jesus were like this. I thought we were tight, and how could this happen to me when he, we were, were that close? Isn't everything supposed to be okay when I'm a follower of Jesus? And he's hearing things. John's hearing things even from prison. Look at verse 18 of Luke 7. It says, John's disciples told him about all these things, all the things that Jesus was doing. And then calling two of them, he, John, sent them to ask the Lord, Jesus, to to ask, are you the one who was to come, or should we expect somebody else? John gathers a couple of his disciples because he's heard what Jesus is doing elsewhere, but he himself is stuck in prison. He's in jail, awaiting his head to be chopped off, and he's going, did I miss something here? Is this what the Christian life was supposed to be about? I I think I missed something. And so he sends a couple of his disciples and he says, go ask Jesus, ask him a question. Here's the question I want you to ask. Go to Jesus and say, are you really the son of God or should we expect somebody else? Translated, did I miss something here? Did, Did I kind of... Did I miss a memo that went through? Because I thought walking with you was supposed to look like this, not look like me in prison awaiting beheading. Did I miss something? And I'm trying to hang on here. I do not want to give up. And I'm pretty sure that John already knew the answer to his question. I'm pretty sure that John knew that Jesus was the one who was to come. John knew that Jesus was who he said he was, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the Messiah that was predicted throughout the entire Old Testament. John knew that. He was there that day when he baptized him and saw the Spirit of God come down and heard the voice of God. He knew the answer to that question. But he asks it anyway. Check this out. It says, when the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to you to ask, are you the one who was to come or should we expect somebody else? Verse 21, I love this. At that very time, Jesus cured many who had various diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. And then he goes, blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. Huh? What? Basically, John sends his buddies over to ask Jesus, are you the one? Did I miss something here? I thought we were friends. I thought you were on board with me because I was on board with you. But now I'm in prison. Life is not going as I planned. This is not okay. Jesus, I'm going to die. And Jesus hears the question, and he sends back this answer. John, blind people are receiving their sight. Lame people they're being healed. Deaf people are being healed. Sick people are being healed. The needs of the poor are being met. Lives are being changed. 
Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. What? Here's what I think Jesus was saying. John, I love you. I'm on board with you. And you were there that day that you baptized me. You saw the Spirit of God come down. You heard the voice of God. You know that I am the one. You know that I am the Son of God. You did not miss a memo. You didn't miss anything. What you might have missed, though, is that I did not come to save you from pain and suffering. I came to save you from meaninglessness. And I hear those words echo even for us today. Jesus Christ did not come to save you and me from pain and suffering. He came to save us from a life without purpose, a life without any sort of meaning. And so he says, yeah, I am the one. Blind people, they can see now. Deaf people, they can hear now. Sick people, they're not sick anymore. I'm raising people from the dead. I'm doing things that are blowing people's minds and changing people's lives. And then he says, but I'm not coming through for you that way. And it will be a blessing if that truth doesn't cause you to fall away. What extreme circumstance or situation would have to happen in your life for you to go, I'm done. I'm not on board with this anymore. I've been scared to ask that question. I've been so nervous to honestly go before my God and say, God, you can take anything. You could do anything you want to me. And I'll still be on board with you. I'll still follow you. There's people that are sitting to your left or your right or front or back of you that may go through most of their life having pretty incredible things happen to them. And then you have sat here and you've been a follower of Jesus, a lover of Jesus Christ, and you've had absolutely horrible things happen in your life. And it's a blessing if that doesn't cause you to fall away. Because the Christian life was meant to be dangerous. It was meant to be radical. It was meant to be an adventure. It was meant to be something that, that was a lot more like Major League Baseball than geriatrics in the outfield. It, it was meant to be something where you, you would be willing to give your own life for the sake of the name of Jesus. That you would step out in bold faith. Did you know that when Cornerstone was planted, it was planted under the power of God and the Holy Spirit with a dream in the heart of Lynn Winters and 26 other people 
that began to hang these door hangers on the doors of, of houses in this area with a slogan that just said, given up on church, but not on God, why don't you give Cornerstone a try? Through the power of God and the Holy Spirit and through the dreams of a handful, there, there were amazing things that God began to do and stir in the hearts of some people that were willing to take some pretty bold risks, that knew that the Christian life wasn't going to be something safe or easy. You know, you fast forward now, whatever, 12, 14 years into the life of Cornerstone Church, and the friends here on staff, do you know the staff has been through some incredibly rough things this year? They've been going through situations with children going through sickness, kids getting hurt, losing family members. I mean, Jeff Gokey broke his thumb on stage while he was preaching a couple weeks ago. I mean, th this is crazy. That's just Jeff, though, because he's weird. <laughs> All I know is this, you guys. There is an enemy out there who is very, very real. And he would love for you to give up. He would love for circumstances to get so difficult in your life that you would go, Jesus, I'm done. He would have loved for John the Baptist at this moment to go, I'm all done. Yeah, I saw you when I was baptizing you, but I didn't know that it was going to end in me losing my life. And he'd love for you right now to walk away just because circumstances are difficult. He'd love for you just to continue the lukewarm drift to the middle. Just put on the fake face and play church, and play your Christian life. He would love that. But the Christian life, your walk with Jesus, was supposed to be a dangerous, scary adventure. So maybe it's time to step back up to the plate. Maybe you've been hesitating to get back up to bat because of stuff going on in your life. And right now your heart begins to beat a little bit harder in your chest and you, you know the things that he had called you to at one point or maybe even this week. Maybe you know the things that he has asked you to walk away from. You know the risks that he is putting before you. And you look around and you go, okay, this is, might be tough. There's a world out there that needs some boldness. There's a world out there that, that needs a whole bunch of believers that are all up for a little adventure and not just coming and sitting and listening, not just coming to a program, but an absolute radical living out of our faith outside these walls. And I know you hear that a lot here. 
But there is a world that needs to see believers that are ready to go for it in a big, huge way. They don't want boring. They want to see believers that are going, if I got to lay down my life, I'll go for it. At the end of Peter's time with Jesus, Jesus and Peter are interacting. And three times, Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? And each time Peter says, you know I do. And each time Jesus says, then go be about the task. Go love my people. Take care of my people. Go do it. And then he goes, oh, by the way, Peter, someday some people are going to get you and they're going to take you to places you do not want to go and do things you do not want to do. And he begins to clue Peter in on the type of death that Peter himself is going to suffer. And tradition says that Peter was crucified upside down for his belief in Jesus Christ by his own choosing because he didn't consider it worthy to be killed in the same manner as his Savior. And Peter looks over his shoulder and he goes, okay, okay, if that's what this is supposed to be about, if that's what this is supposed to be like, then I, okay, but, but what about John? Doesn't he have to die that way too? And we would like it if life was equal, right? We would like it if everything was just kind of even playing field. If you got to go through something bad, then, well, then the person next to you should go through something bad too. Or if somebody else has got it easy, then well, I should have it easy too. And Jesus just kind of responds back and he goes, hey, what's it to you? If I choose for you to suffer in this way and he doesn't, this isn't about somebody else, this is about me and you. And friends, family, brothers and sisters, this is about you and Jesus Christ. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Let's pray. Father, I, I can't thank you enough for this amazing church. I can't thank you enough that you have planted dreams in the lives of leadership here and people that come here that are willing to step out and, and take risks. But God, we know that that brings some spiritual attack. We know that that brings times where we're just like, man, I don't know if I can do this anymore. But Father, I thank you that you didn't look at the cross and say, hey, I'm not going to go there. But you became obedient even to death on a cross for all of us. Lord, I, I pray hugely that whether we find ourselves in dark moments where you seem far off,
We're just needing to get your dreams breathed back into our lives. God, that you would speak up loud and clear this morning and we would hear you saying to us, we're not gonna give up. Don't give up, don't give up, don't give up. We love you in Jesus' name.